Special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. Hi, I'm Charles Epting from H.R. Harmer in New York City. I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. Now, Michael, today's episode is really exciting because I, if I'm not mistaken, we have not had a grandmaster as appointed by the Mystery Writers of America on our show yet. I think this is the first. Not yet. Give it a couple minutes and then... And then we will. And then we will be able to say we have had a Mystery <laughs> Writers of America grandmaster on our show, yeah. uh, which should tell people that this is not a uh, typical philatelist that we're having on today. This is not your your conventional run-of-the-mill philatelist. This is an incredibly accomplished and incredibly successful uh, novelist and author who is uh, beloved to many non-philatelists because of mm-hmm. his work. Uh, why don't you tell people who haven't guessed already who we're having on today? <laughs> or haven't read the title of the episode. Today we're the talking... <laughs> if they today blindly we're... clicked on this episode. <laughs> today we're talking to Lawrence Block. And and again, I just want to reiterate, this is a really big deal like for non-stamp collectors as well. Yeah. This is a, a again, this is um, a, 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 an incredibly well-regarded uh, uh, mystery writer and um, again, a, a lot of stamp collectors might know him because of the Keller series. He wrote five books and I believe a short story. The final one, Keller's Fedora, um, started in 1998, but the, it was on a serial killer who also collected stamps. I was introduced to the Keller series by uh, our, our former shipping manager, big stamp collector. He was the one who um, made me aware of, of mm-hmm. uh, the Keller novels. I mean, he has plenty of other series about other, uh, uh, you know, very, very highly regarded characters, but Keller to stamp collectors, I think is the, uh, the obvious reference point. This is somebody we yeah. can on the one hand relate to, and on the other hand, uh, not at all relate to hopefully. And then readers of Lynn's will know him from the 2009 to 2012. He wrote 33 columns called generally speaking, uh, talking about his, his journey really through stamp collecting, how he collects what what he was collecting at the time period, and and kind of his his adventures through the world of philately as it was happening. It was, and these columns were just recently last year collected into a a bound volume, so that you yeah. can get all of his lens columns in one place, which is fantastic for the philatelic world. Yeah, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It is on Amazon in uh, in hardcover paperback and kindle digital form well again without further ado let's bring mr block on he has been out of philately for a couple of years he explained mm-hmm. but uh w- w- was gracious enough to accept our invitation and I'm, I'm really excited to talk to him yeah yeah me too let's uh let's bring him on in hi mr block hi how are you good how are you not bad so thank you so much to to kick things off, can, do you mind uh, taking a little bit of time to um, give us your brief background on what brought you into philately and and uh, and brought you into um, yeah? L- let's start with that. What brought you into philately, and then we'll kind of take it from there. Is uh, sure, I, I I can talk about that some. I started collecting uh, <clears throat> when I was uh, a fairly young kid. I think probably. My uncles uh, had collected as kids. 
one of them stayed with it or went back to it and and collected uh, British Empire for uh, the the latter portion of his life. Certainly, the other didn't, and I think one of them, I think one of them may have given me uh, his his stamp album or. Or possibly not. At any rate, I, I started off with a uh, modern stamp album. And uh, a, a great aunt of mine was secretary to the president of uh, Trico Corporation, a firm in Buffalo that made windshield wipers and had a, a considerable international business. And she took the stamps off all the correspondence and would, would send them to me. She was also... She was very funny. She held her boss in very high esteem. And if there was ever a complete cover, she would make sure that she'd cut his name out of it. So that uh, <laughs> I, have, I have no idea why, what she thought she was protecting him from by, by that. But, um, but that was a, a, a source of stamp, certainly. And I collected throughout childhood and... Uh, Probably actively until well into high school. Anyway, I I, uh, I I certainly stopped by the time I went to college. And then, um, and in fact, in high school, I I specialized. I I got the first of the the Scott uh, specialty albums for British Empire, the Great Britain, British Europe, and British Oceania album. And uh, I. I that was my focus of interest. And then uh, I think I may, I may still have had that when I returned to collecting. And I returned to collecting in a funny way. Um, and that was, I, uh, I got very much interested in coin collecting in my early 20s, numismatics. Mm -hmm. And eventually, uh, oh, at around age 25, I went to work for Whitman uh, in uh, Racine, Wisconsin, a division of Western Printing, that uh, their, their coin supply division. And I edited a magazine there and did a lot of writing for it and, and did other things. Uh, uh, it was, it was uh, an interesting time. I was, I was there for about a year and a half. And it was the only real job I ever had as an adult and it uh, it taught me two surprising things one was that i could do quite decently in a corporate environment i'd always assumed i couldn't but i was doing fine in fact they were, they were about to promote me out of the coin supply division and into whitman marketing in general i found that out and I found out also that that wasn't what I wanted to do, that what I wanted to return to writing. But while I was at Whitman, um, coins was what I was concerned with all day long, one way or another. So for relaxation, I went back to stamp collecting <laughs> and, uh, and was collecting. Uh, I, I resumed my British Europe collection and I, uh, I started collecting uh, Benelux also and stayed with that for uh, some years. I, I continued, you know, after having departed from, uh, from Whitman and moved to New Jersey. And then in, I guess it was 73, 
my marriage broke up and I had alimony and child support to pay and uh, a life that was spinning a bit out of control at the time anyway. So one, one of the things that I did there was sell the stamp collection and thought about it with occasional regret, but not too much for quite a few years. And it was sometime in the mid 1990s, I think, that I really regretted having sold the stamp collection and I resumed collecting. And it was sometime after that that I started writing the column for Lens. Mm -hmm. So mid-1990s, you, you first published the Keller series, which featured the uh, stamp collecting in 98. So right about the same kind of time, had you, in that kind of parallel, had you intended for the book to end up that way? Or was that kind of thrown in there alongside your own? That was actually something I wanted to ask as well, because a lot of people who are stockbrokers or doctors, they can't tie their hobby in with their <laughs> career. <laughs> I was going to ask, at what point you thought that philately would make for an interesting uh, facet of character development? Sure. I, I can certainly talk about that because it's a, it's a very natural question that for people to have. I started writing about Keller with a short story, um, which became the first chapter of Hitman, a story called Answers to Soldier. And that was written in, I think, 1989. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I thought, you know, it, it, it did well. It was well received. It was nominated for an award. It was published in uh, Playboy, which was the, uh, the, the premium market for uh, stories in the, in the field. But I never thought that we'd hear more from Keller. And a couple of years went by, and I was thinking about the character, and I thought, you know, he's the kind of urban, lonely guy who would wind up in therapy, and what would that be like? And I wrote the, the story Keller's, Thera Keller's Therapy. And... And uh, there was another story or two, and at one point, uh, oh yes, at the end of Keller's therapy, he wound up with a dog. The dog had formerly been the property of the therapist, uh, who met a bad end, as it turned out. And Keller wound up with the dog. And I thought, how's a hitman who spends all of his time traveling going to cope with having a dog? So the, the next story after that was Dogs Walked, Plants Watered, where he meets and hires a young woman to take care of the dog. And one story led to another, and about, the, about five or six stories in, I realized I was writing a novel on the installment plan, that uh, they, they very much went together and there was a continuous flow to the narrative. Meanwhile, I had resumed uh, collecting stamps, and I was collecting general worldwide. And toward the end of the book, I think in the maybe the eighth or ninth story of, of the 10 that constituted uh, 
hitman. Uh, Keller was contemplating retirement. And I thought, well, what the hell is he going to do in retirement? <laughs> and I thought, well, he could collect stamps. You know, and that was the, that was the first time this had occurred to me. And he, uh, it turned out, he had recollections, found recollections of a childhood stamp collection. So he, uh, he moved on into philately. And curiously enough, he, his collection interests mirrored my own, uh, which was uh, worldwide uh, 1840 to 1940. So uh, writing the stories for that, the research for philately must have been a, a bit easier making it your own kind of your passion as well it uh, kind of um kind of made the less research uh oh, having to be done. Yeah. I, I really didn't have to do any philatelic research specifically for uh, for the color stories no that was yeah. that yeah. was all at hand I was going to ask, you know, when you started, obviously, when when you write these stories, you have a, a certain non-philatelic audience in mind. These are intended for people who maybe know a little bit about stamp collecting, but who most likely are not uh, philatelic. Did you expect uh, to be embraced by the philatelic community the way you were? Um, uh, you know, uh, for example, I, you know, I work at H.R. Harmer, an auction house. Our old shipping manager uh, had had a shelf of your books, not even just the Keller books. Those were his introduction to your work. And, uh, you know, from there he went and read everything else. D- did you expect for stamp collectors to embrace your stories the way they seemingly have? I didn't really think of it. Um, I know uh, it was at one, one point where I think um, Michael Lawrence at Linz reviewed the book and uh, in very complimentary fashion. And, uh, and that, was, that was certainly nice. And then after that, I, I had uh, review copies, uh, you know, sent to uh, philatelic markets, figuring there might be some interest. But um, I, I didn't think about it too much. Um, I, I found it gratifying that uh, philatelists would uh, would like the books, and uh, and then of course over the years, I would reviews would would either in the philatelic media were very complimentary, but periodically there would be reviews uh, in other media where where readers would say, you know, you have to wade through far too much. St- crap about stamps that I and, and, and they would uh, they would bail out there but I I, I think uh, actually the general consensus among non-philatelic readers was that uh, um, the part of parts about the stamps uh, were interesting enough and I know I've uh, with uh, generally speaking which is the, the book that I've I, uh, published it's a collection of uh, my 33 columns for Lens. Um, there have been quite a few reviews on Amazon from people who say I really don't care anything much about stamp collecting, but uh, I found this interesting anyway, hmm. which was uh, which was gratifying. Yeah, it, reading it, it almost seemed like a um, a good, a great introductory book for people looking to learn how to collect stamps because it's your story through stamps. 
it, you know, it, it, it seems mm -hmm. like a, an incredible place to start. So do you mind talking a little bit about your start writing that column at Linz? How you got the column and, and your, your beginning with it? Yeah, I, uh, I proposed it uh, to uh, Michael Badke, who was uh, editor-in-chief at Linz at the time. And um, and he was uh, favorably disposed to it, and I just <laughs> I started writing it, you know. And it it was funny. It was just an idea. I just thought I would enjoy doing that, and I did for almost three years, and then I. Uh, I had a column that uh, that I <clears throat> it took me far too long to write, and I just realized one day that I was done, mm -hmm. and I I missed it the way I miss lots of things when I'm done with them, but um, that seems to be the way life works. I uh, I was yeah. just done. Yeah. So at what point, because I noticed around column 23, you decided to change the way that you were writing the columns. So you went from writing, just speaking about your, uh, your kind of your own thoughts to addressing a, a classroom, really. Uh, what, what prompted that, that change in style there? Oh, oh that, that was just a, a device. I don't, I couldn't have told you when I started using it with the column, mm -hmm. but years before that, I did a monthly column on fiction writing for a magazine called Writer's Digest, mm -hmm. and the uh, the idea of the the class and the kids and that and the dialogue yeah. as a way of of, uh, of telling whatever it was I was trying to tell, uh, I, I used that frequently in the, uh, in the column, and it just migrated into the Lynn's column. Yeah, yeah, it was quite interesting. It was. Um it was it was almost gave it a more had educational feel which i guess is probably the point but uh you know it, it it um it was quite interesting to read those ones thank you something i've wondered for as ubiquitous as stamp collecting has been uh for the last 150 some odd years in this country i feel like there's relatively little uh representation of philately in popular culture you have the movie Charade, of course. You have a book by Terry Pratchett. Do you feel that stamps are un, uh, underrepresented in popular literature or popular culture? Gee, I don't know. Um, I don't know to what extent collecting and collectibles uh, require representation hmm. uh, in fiction and, and works of that sort. I know it's very frustrating and annoying to people with a specialist knowledge of the field when a writer lacking that knowledge gets something wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, you know, charade was a good instance of that, certainly. <laughs> I just saw, sorry, saw part of that again. I, I saw it when it came out a, a million years ago. Wow. And my wife and I tried to watch it on television Oh, within the past week or two. And we thought, 
gee, this is not nearly as good as we somehow remembered it. So, so, but I, I do recall the ending, which we didn't stick around for this time. And, and uh, you know, smuggling the stamps by using them for postage is a, <laughs> a, a strange uh, approach. Yeah, yeah, certainly uh, lacking the expert's opinion on that one. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people you said ask you right in for the column to ask how they collect. Are you still getting emails from people? Or are you still getting people writing into you even now with the generally speaking book out about the same kind of questions? People looking to you for for answers on that. I don't think I get much uh, correspondence these days look, uh, from people looking to me for philatelic answers or information. Mm-hmm. I, I still get, um, I do get responses to the uh, to the book. Yeah. Uh, occasionally, the uh, the age of email is such that writers hear far more from readers than they ever used to, and and the age of uh, Amazon reviews and and all that is such that uh, there's there's far more feedback and uh, mm-hmm. and people write that uh, than you would think uh, or would have expected in earlier times. But no, I don't I don't think uh, I don't think people ever look to me much as a a source of uh, answers to their questions. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've I have no expertise in philately, certainly. Mm-hmm. So you gave a, a speech at the 2026 International Show. Michael, you keep taking the words out of oh, my mouth. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was the, the New York 2016 show was. I, I don't mean to interrupt, Michael, but no, but ahead, I just wanted. My, my, um, I was that that was right after I entered the business professionally. I'd been with H.R. Harmer for about a month at that point. That was sort of my my uh, you know first entry point into. The world of international philately, and I remember your uh, very warm reception there was uh, was a highlight that a lot of people were talking about. Did you ever expect uh, to be speaking at an international stamp show when you, uh, you know, first uh, uh, introduced Keller's uh, connection to the hobby? And, and what was that experience like? Would, you know, what 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 was that like for you to to speak at an event like that? It was it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. I had uh, earlier than that. A um, few years before, I think it must have been, I spoke at uh, a, a national convention in, uh, that was held in Hartford. I forget uh, APS, I think, and uh, and and I enjoyed that also because you know the people you meet are so nice, and uh, of course that's that's true almost always in any hobby setting. Mm-hmm. Because people at their, are at their best when they're among fellow hobbyists, as opposed to you know they 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 may be uh, absolute cutthroat competitors in a business <laughs> situation. But this is what they're doing to relax, so they get to be nice guys. But anyway, I, I, I met nothing but nice guys in in uh, in stamps. Yeah, I mean that's 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 generally the sense that we get when we go to. To shows, I mean, everybody's there to mingle and to create a pleasant environment with each other. So, um, yeah, glad that the kind of the experience was shared by uh, by you as as is felt by traditional, you know, uh, 
stamp goers, if you will, not, you know. Your uh, focus, or I guess lack thereof, of collecting worldwide 1840 to 1940, even with a, a focus on the British Empire, I feel like this is um, uh, not a way that many people are collecting today. Today, it feels very hyper-specialized where people are going to focus on the, the uh, you know, provisional overprints of the Falkland Islands rather than trying to fill up one of those, uh, you know, uh, ancient blue, you know, big blue Scott albums. What was, uh, you know, w- when you approached the hobby, what made you want to collect a little bit of everything? And what do you think uh, uh, the charm of collecting that way is, again, versus the hyper-specialization that has sort of, I think, come up more more recently in the hobby? Well, one thing, and I, th- I think I mentioned this in an early column, it's, it's, and it's, it's taken directly from uh, uh, the world of academia, and that's that a uh, generalist is someone who learns less and less about more and more until he, <clears throat> he knows nothing about everything, whereas a specialist is someone who learns <clears throat> more and more about less and less until he knows everything about nothing. And that, that's kind of the choice you get uh, in, in stamps as well. You can concentrate, you can have a, a very narrow focus or a very broad one. When I decided to go back to collecting, and I remember it was on a, a trip to Ireland and I had a dream in which uh, my wife sold my stamp collection or something like this. Now, I didn't have a stamp collection at the time. This, that, and I realized that it was I who had stole my stamp collection. It was a long time ago. And that uh, I really could start collecting again if I wanted to. So that, that was when I d- decided to return to it. But I had to decide what to collect. And I started off by collecting just uh, Ireland. I collected that for a, a period of some months. Uh, and uh, But that didn't feel like enough. I didn't want to specialize that narrowly. And I tried to figure out what else I could collect and what I would collect and what I wouldn't collect. And I, I just didn't really want to leave anything out. I, I found all the world stamps interesting in about the same fashion. So I thought I would just go ahead and do that. And uh, and did and uh, I should say I, I I know I make the point in the book and have, have said it elsewhere that I no longer collect. But a few mm-hmm. years ago, I think I think in early 2017, though I'm not exactly certain of the date, I did make arrangements to sell my collection. Um, I had. Not exactly lost interest, but I'd noticed that I wasn't buying stamps the way I had, that I wasn't seeking them out, that when I did buy stamps, it took me a long time to transfer them to the album where where I wanted to have them. And, uh, and this was coupled really with the uh, fact that I, one thing I was able to look at was a calendar, and I realized I was reaching a time in life where, you know, the end was visible somewhere in the distance. And I wanted to 
had made arrangements for the disposal of my collection before uh, before I left the stage. It seemed like a kindness to uh, my heirs. The, the stamps, there wasn't a, a tremendous amount of money there, but uh, the effort involved in disposing of a collection is uh, is I think probably best carried out by the mm. collector himself. So I, I have been away from the hobby for a long time. And, uh, well, a few years anyway. And I thought it would be a wrench to sell everything. And it was less so than I, I might have uh, imagined. A, a friend of mine just, uh, uh, just liquidated uh, his collection of crime and mystery fiction. And he was the world's foremost collector. He had the, the best material and the, the largest collection. Hmm. And it had been a chief focus of his life for the past 50 years. And he didn't want it to just disappear uh, upon his death. And he figured um, it made sense to do this. But he said it, it just tore his heart out to see the books leave the house. Mm. And looking at the empty shelves uh, is a source of abiding pain to him still. And it's been a, a year or two now, probably about two years. And um, I didn't have that that kind of a, a, a feeling. I felt a certain amount of relief because when I would look at the row of stamp albums uh, in the last year or two that I had them, there was something of, they, they felt like a, a burden and uh, a potential problem. So that when they were gone and I was compensated to whatever extent for them, uh, I, I felt as though I'd checked an important item off a list. I certainly don't regret a moment of the, the time I spent in the world of philately. And I still find written material on the subject of interest, but I don't have the urge to acquire. Uh, and that last, I think, I, I see in other areas too. And I just know it's, it's age related. My wife and I for years, uh, would go to antique shops and we would feel an urge to acquire and that. And then there was just a point where the, the desire to acquire anything was gone. Um, and, uh, and that happens, uh, not to everyone, I'm sure, but it does happen. And I think it's probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. You speak in, there's, there's all different kinds of, Collectors, and you speak in a lot of the earlier columns about how you felt that the that the search for stamps really was was your main drive for collecting, and not necessarily the completion of countries. And I remember in, in one column specifically, I forget the country, but you said that you'd walked into an auction house and ended up buying an entire country in one sitting. Uh, 
and completed it. You brought it home and you you affixed all the stamps into the into the book and then thought, okay, well, well, what now? And then uh, you know the deep dive into inverted over prints and 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 different kind of errors it was not something that you were. Uh, I think I think your column said, and probably you can elaborate yourself on your own collecting uh, habits, but but I think it said that you weren't looking to dive that deeply into um, into those areas in philately. So going down that road once you kind of scratch the surface of absolutely everything, 1840 to 1940, um, and if you're looking for the for the chase, if you will. I can understand how um, how once you feel like there's that sort of sense of accomplishments, you've you've got most of of everything that you can get. It um it becomes time to to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I um, my collection certainly never never became <laughs> comprehensive enough, so that that was a factor. Mm-hmm. But it is it, it it is certainly true that. Uh, whatever you're collecting, stamps or anything else, um, there's a, a, a satisfaction in acquiring, there's a, a compulsion to complete a collection, an area of a collection, but at the same time, there's a finality about that completion that kills your interest in that area. Yeah. You know, um, all right, I now have all the stamps from whatever, uh, and that's two pages in my album that I no longer have any reason to look at. Right, right. You know, so it's it, it's uh, empty spaces are uh, an important aspect of the whole business. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like the stamps you, you don't have are what are driving you to collect stamps. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I was going to ask something a little bit, um, uh, I don't know if obtuse is the right word, but something a little bit strange. The, the character of Keller is um, different uh, than than you or I or, or most people who read him. He's a, uh, 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 you know, he partakes in, in behavior that most of us will never uh, hopefully experience <laughs> firsthand. What do you, uh, the, the fact yeah, that he- Do you he, mean by, by virtue of the fact that he's the general collector? <laughs> exactly what I no I, I was going to ask you know when you have somebody uh, involved in this world who also does something so relatable and universal as collect stamps what sort of um, psychological uh, importance do you ascribe to that hobby do you think there's something that uh, you know uh, is, is shared between being a, a good hitman and being a good philatelist <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I don't think so. I think uh, what one of the things that makes Keller interesting for me is that he's very much like most people, except for the ways in which he's not. In, in other words, uh, he, he kills people for a living uh, and manages to do that essentially without remorse. Um, but, uh, in other respects, he's a perfectly fine fellow, uh, and ethical in other areas of his life. Um, I know there's one, one exchange he has with Dot where he 
worries whether or not he's a sociopath. And that's an, an interesting question. And the, uh, the response a lot of people have is that, you know, if, if you are a sociopath, you don't worry about it. Hmm. But that's not necessarily the case. I know the crime writer Charles Williford uh, was a, a friend of mine. And he wrote in one of his, he, he wrote two volumes of memoir. And in one of them, he talks about the fact that he uh, himself, he, he has self-diagnosed himself as, uh, as a sociopath and talks about that some. And uh, if so, he was certainly a sociopath who never engaged in any discernible uh, antisocial behavior and have functioned well and have certainly operated ethically. But there was something that's, no, that's discernible in his memoir and in the kinds of characters he wrote about that suggests his diagnosis was probably correct. You know? So uh, all of these subjects involving people are complicated. Hmm. And thumbnail definitions um, usually miss something. So um, this is probably putting too fine a point on it, but, but Keller is, uh, oh, Keller is like you or I would be if um, at an early age we'd been recruited to be professional killers and turned out to be good at it. So the bug for collecting kind of doesn't have a in in your uh, in your sense have a thing it snaps onto for someone's unique personality. It's just and it's just something that anybody at at any point ha can have, and they just need to be looking for something. Searching. I think for so. Uh, I think some people. Oh and it frequently manifests itself at a very early age, desire to collect. Mm -hmm. And the nature of the object collected may change many okay. times over the years. It may uh, get larger and smaller and, and all that. But they're born collectors. And there are other people who are not. Uh, you know, my response from a very early time, if I saw something that I liked and that I wanted to own, I wanted, I almost immediately wanted to own another that, that was like it, but different, you know, mm -hmm. and why not get all of them? You know, that, that, that kind of thing, that's, that's the collecting uh, uh, node and not everybody has it. So have you moved on to another form of collecting since philately? No. No, and I, I uh, not at all. And other things that I sort of collected, not, not very ardently, I, I haven't bothered with either. Mm -hmm. So, uh, no, as I said, I think it's, uh, it's age-related. Yeah. And it's uh, I, a recent uh, book in the... Scudder series that I write, uh, the most recent one, I used as a title uh, a 
a phrase from uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. I call it a time to scatter stones. And uh, and that seems to fit with collecting. There's a time to gather stones together and there's a time to cast them away. So looking back on your time as a philatelist, was there anything that that you remember escaping you something that you wish you had or at least maybe the last thing you were looking to purchase before you decided to sell your collection no i don't think so hmm. I, I i can't think of anything i would just you know i i just enjoyed filling spaces yeah yeah this is the purest form of the hobby yeah, and it's uh, when you when you get down ultimately to ultimately it, how it how we all start and and yeah. it's ultimately what it all boils down to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the um, the coding of a collector. I, I just want to thank you, Mister Block, for for joining us again. We've we've really yeah. enjoyed this, and uh, uh, again, it's I, I remember your your talk at uh, New York twenty sixteen. That's that's one of those. Um, uh, again, I was really the beginning of my career, so I, I measure everything on either side of that. So uh, the fact that Michael and I have a podcast now and we're able to to speak to you, it, it feels like yeah. things are coming full circle for me. Oh, well, that's great. That's great. I've, I've enjoyed this. I have been turning down podcast invitations of one sort or another uh, regularly um, <laughs> of late. But um this is the first philatelic one that it turned up, and I, I thought it would probably it would probably be uh, be something I'd enjoy. And that uh, anyway, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, well, thank you. We, we thank really you appreciate so much. it. I, I just wanted to ask what 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 are you working on now? What is next for you? Are you working on another uh, piece or another book or another writing for a journal? Well. I, I say I'm essentially retired, but I, um, you'd think if I were, I would spend fewer hours in, <laughs> sitting at my computer than I do. <laughs> uh, I do have uh, a book coming out uh, June 24th on my birthday, oh, wow. and it's called A Writer Prepares, and it's a memoir of my first... Uh, first years in the business, my first years as a professional writer, first oh, 10 or 12 years probably, through 1966 or seven. And it, I don't know if this will be interesting or not, but it's a book that I started writing in 1994. I was at a writer's colony called Ragdale. I had stalled on a book I was working on. I had more time to spend there and I suddenly, uh, wrote started writing something I'd not planned on writing at all. Right, I started writing about my beginnings in the business and all the books I wrote under pen names and that in in those early years. And it was a an uncanny experience because um, every time I started writing, I would be writing something that I that I hadn't thought about in years. And as I was writing, some doors would flick open in my memory and send me off on something else. And I wrote uh, about 50,000 words of this in eight days. Wow. Just top speed. (laughs) 
And I brought it home and I figured it was about, oh, half a book or close to it, the, the way this would wind up. And I didn't do anything. And then my agent included it in a multi-book contract that I, I made with my, my then regular publisher. And a couple of years went by during which I didn't even look at it. And I realized that I wasn't going to finish this, that I was done and I didn't care anymore. And uh, I bought my way back out of that contract and never looked at the book again. Until about a year and a half ago, when uh, I found it in the closet and it, it didn't require a deep search, I knew exactly where it was, but I, I took it out and looked at it because uh, a friend, a fellow I knew, was composing, uh, putting together a bibliography of, of my work. And I told him about it and showed it to him. And I realized it was something I ought to finish. That there, I, couldn't explain why I'd abandoned it, that it looked really fine to me, but how do I pick it up 25 years later? Hmm. Well, I did, and I spent, uh, I worked on it off and on throughout 2020, and it's finished. And the book is called A Writer Prepares, and I'll be bringing it out in, as I said, June 24th. That's, fan that's a fantastic that's story to it. The, yeah. the book, wow. It it's, was uh, <laughs> so much of my life is composed of things that, in retrospect, I cannot make head or tail out of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's um, perfect. Thank you so much for, for sharing this with us and, and taking the time out. It really is it, it, quite an honor um, that you take the time out to, to, I feel like we've been selected, if you will, <laughs> as a, well, you know. Well, it, it, it's been a pleasure and uh, you know send me a link and I'll, I'll let the world know about it when it's up oh thank you so much we'd appreciate that very yeah, much really thank you so much Mr. Block this has been, uh, thank, this has been fantastic thank you. thank you both so Michael I really enjoyed that I thought that was a great chat um, uh, you know to, I, I mean it when I, I remember his appearance at uh, New York 2016 being one of the highlights of that show for a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, and you know he, he was um it was great for them to bring him in as this, uh, you know, sort of force outside of uh, mainstream philately. Uh, you know, here, here's somebody from the the fiction world who, uh, who who presented at the show. I thought that was really fun and, and made had that left an impact on me. And uh, the fact that we were able to to speak to him is is really special. Yeah, yeah, the, and it does kind of rattle true that the entire philatelic community just just reveres him entirely, and they they think that the works are there terrific and and they they love the fact that there's a representation in in modern literature from an actual philatelist representing what he talked about philately accurately uh, absolutely you know, something and, and that happens i find it funny that um you know he mentioned us in one of his newsletters when when we asked him to be and and i got yeah. multiple notes from people philatelists who or subscribe to his newsletter because they follow his works because of that philatelic. He really opened himself up to a, a much wider audience by slipping in, uh, you know, <laughs> Keller's stamp collection. But yeah. the, the the one thing I I I, uh, I I wish I'd asked him. He used pseudonyms for a lot of his early novels because the content maybe wasn't something he wanted his name attached to. And it's just shocking to me that he uh, used his real name for the the stamp collecting books because <laughs> most people would want to I feel like distance themselves from 
from that. Uh, you know, if most you know critically acclaimed writers wrote about stamps, they would definitely use a use a pen name to keep people <laughs> off their scent. So it's amazing that he he actually uh, put his name on on philately. <laughs> yeah, well, I think a lot of people do greatly appreciate that, and and he he spoke a little bit about the representation of of philately and 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 other collectibles in in pop culture and and you know it, it's not something that that generally happens so i think that 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 the philatelic community has really latched on to him because they absolutely they, they're they're grateful for the representation that they've had in his in his book they see themselves in this sociopathic cold-blooded killer <laughs> can all relate to them yeah uh, Michael, I really enjoyed this episode. Thank you for setting this one up. This was, um, I'm, you know, we a lot of these people we both know or we sort of kick mm-hmm. it back and forth. This one you thought up and you reached out to Lawrence and I, I've really got to thank you for arranging this one because it was fantastic. Yeah, actually, if I... Actually, if I may... no, I'm going to clarify that for our listeners. Michael sets up about 95% of these <laughs> interviews. Uh, I've done like two or three. So, Michael, uh, I'm giving you credit for this one, but you deserve credit for all of them. Well, this one actually... I may have emailed him, but the the idea came from a listener of ours. Um, we actually got an email in and said, <clears throat> "Love your love your show. Have you considered writing to Lawrence Block? Uh, a lot of us would like to hear from him." So I, you know, so I reached out to him. Well, okay, then I I rescind uh, the credit I gave to you, Perfect. and I'll give the credit to our anonymous listener. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I want. I want no credit for anything we're doing. And all speaking of, <laughs> on that note, I am going to now use a pseudonym to attach myself <laughs> from this from this show. <laughs> where, where do we go from there, Michael? Uh, as always, a lot of fun. People watching us on YouTube, you can find us on all the podcast services: Google, Apple, Spotify, you name it. Uh, people listening to us can watch our interviews, including yeah. Mr. Lawrence Block on YouTube, where you can uh, see Please us subscribe. sitting in our offices. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can subscribe on YouTube, though, because that's how success is measured in the year 2021 is by YouTube subscribers. Michael, honestly, though, uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, uh, uh, Google, um, we have an email, flatlypodcast at gmail.com. Yep. We have a website, flatlypodcast.com. Yep. You can write to us uh, at that email, or, or I'm sure that e- email's on our website as well. So we love yep. hearing from you. As always, really enjoyed this. And uh, until next time. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it, and we'll uh, see you next week. Talk to you real soon. All right. Bye-bye.